Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, aka Triumvir Clio. Hello again. I hope you're all still doing well and finding moments of peace in the turmoil that continues to seem to overwhelm the world. I don't know about you, but it's gotten to the point that I can't help but laugh at the latest disaster in the world because, well, of course, something else terrible has happened. Um, Hopefully today's Roman comedy will give you a moment of laughter. Today's play is Miles Gloriosus, and if that sounds at all familiar, allow me to point you towards Stephen Sondheim's A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. Uh, The title of this play is the name of one of the characters in that delightful compilation of Plautus's plays. As with most of Plautus' plays, Miles Gloriosus is based on one or more lost Greek comedies. Um, the Roman version was written around 205 BCE, um, very early in Plautus's career. I will be working from Dina Berg's 1999 translation, um, and this may cause a bit of confusion for you if you're using a different translation, which I'm guessing you probably are, because I'm guessing you don't own a copy of Plautus and Terence Five Comedies by Dina Berg and, um, uh, Douglas Parker. Um... <laughs> a great translation I recommend it but anyway um so Berg translates all of the character names um in Latin they have puns um and if we just use the Latin name and you don't speak Latin then you don't get the joke of the name and so um and so she translates the names into Latin-esque names um that to to give so that you still get get the joke, right? Um, and and the title of her translation, major blowhard, because <laughs> that's basically what miles gloriosus means. Uh, we'll go into a lot of that in in the discussion of the stock character that is the miles gloriosus. Um, since all of the characters have translated names, I'm going to give you a list <laughs> with the original Latin. Um, a rough English translation of that Latin, and then the name Berg has given the character. And obviously, in the next section, when I'm going through the summary, I'm going to be using Berg's character names because they're easier to pronounce. Um, <laughs> our cast of characters includes uh, Pyrgo Polynices, or Tower Much Fighting, or Major Topple Decropolis, our title character, uh, the Miles Gloriosus himself. Um, Artotrogus, or bread nibbler, or ingestio, um, major topple decropolis's parasite. Um, and that is another stock character. We're not going to talk about that character that much with this episode, but, um, but if someone who just sponges off of other characters is their par- is a parasite to them. Um, that is a, a stock character. Um, Scaladrus, or criminal, or hapless, um, one of Major Tabal Decropolis's slaves, because he is kind of hapless. Um, Lurkio, um, or Lurch, um, uh, the other of Major Tabal Decropolis's slaves. Um, Plusicles, or sailor, or Nauticles, um, who is our love struck young man. You can see where, oh, Nauticles, we get that as nautical and a little naughty. Um, it's supposed to Plusicles, which if you speak English, that does not translate for you, right? Um, 
Palestrio or nimble wrestler or Dexter because you know he's Dexter. That is Nauticles servant and he is our clever slave. We've seen that um, stock character before. Um, Paraplectominus uh, or just hospitable, because um, that's what that means. And and so he's hospitalities, um, hospitable hospitalities. Sounds Latin, right? But it isn't really. Um, he lives next door to Major Topple Acropolis. Cario, or chef, who works for hospitalities. Uh, Philocomasium, or party animal, or just convivia, described by Berg as a working girl. I'll let you fill in what her profession might be. Um... Acrotelidium, or tippy top, or climax, another so called working girl. Um, Milfidipa, or funny filly, or Millie, because um, why not? It's climax is made. Um, the joke of her name isn't, isn't really that important. Um, and then, of course, there's your typical assortment of unnamed slaves, servants, extras, and so on. The play is set in Ephesus. Um, the houses on the right and the left of the set are used. The, um, one, one belongs to hospitalities, the other to Major Topoltecropolis. Um, the center house is not used in this play, so that, that one is covered up by some other scenery. Um, and the rest of the set um, consists of a shrine to Diana and another shrine to Mars. With that background, we'll take a short break before starting the summary. Before I start the summary, I want to say again that unless you are reading Berg's translation, the names I call everyone will be different than what you're reading. Um, her translated names are just, they're easier for my English-speaking tongue to pronounce. Major Topple Decropolis enters, followed by Ingestio and a couple of slaves. The Major speaks about how awesome he is, and since Ingestio makes his living by flattering the Major, he agrees and adds to the list of the Major's awesome traits, while at the same time letting the audience know, um, letting, letting the audience in on the fact that the Major is nothing but a blowhard who thinks a little too highly of himself. The Major has told King Seleucus of Asia Minor that he'll find some mercenaries for him. He lines everyone up in formation and leads them off to the market to do just that. Dexter enters from the Major's house. He is the clever slave stock character in this play, and he provides the prologue. You see, that man who just exited is none other than the Major Blowhard of the, ti of the title. He thinks he's all that, but he's not. I mean, sure, the working girls may flirt with him and blow him kisses, but the Major misses the sarcasm in their behavior. But that's beside the point. Dexter is from Athens, and when he lived there, he was owned by the sweetest young man who's, you know, a little flighty and not so bright. But isn't that what you really kind of want in a master? The old master um, is in love with that, that one from Athens, that old master. He's, he's in love with this working girl, and she's in love with him, and everything was great. But then disaster struck. The young man had to go off on some urgent mission, and while he was gone, the major came to Athens and tried to convince the girl's madam, I mean mother, to give the girl to him. When that didn't work, he kidnapped the girl and sailed back to Ephesus with her. Dexter saw the abduction and hopped aboard the first boat he could find to let his sweet young master know. But before he could get there, his boat was captured by pirates, and he was given as a slave to the major. Of course, he and the young woman recognized each other immediately, but they pretended not to know each other until they found a moment to talk alone. 
She told him that all she wants is to go back to Athens and be with her young man. Dexter sent a note to Athens, and the young man is here, now a guest in the house next door. And that house happens to be owned by a friend of the young man's father. And to help the young lovers see each other, Dexter's made a hole in the shared wall between the two houses, a hole that just so happens to be in the room the young woman has been confined to. The next step is to convince the slave who has been handpicked by the major to stand guard outside of her room, he's not the brightest sort, um, that the young woman is in fact two, that she has an identical twin, played by herself. Uh, Dexter tells the audience not to get confused themselves. She's only going to pretend that she has a twin. She'll make it look like there are two of her. But there aren't. There's only one. Um, but she's going to make it look like there's one living in the major's house and one living in the house next door. And that's how she'll be able to escape the major and go back to Athens with the young man. A commotion is heard in the other house and hospitalities enters shouting and cursing. Someone was sneaking around on the rooftop looking down at his private atrium, but he got away. Next time, someone needs to bash in his shins. Dexter meanders over and asks what's up. Hospitalities is relieved to see him. One of Dexter's co-slaves was spying on them. Where's Convivia? Dexter asks. Oh, still here. Dexter pleads with hospitalities to hurry back inside and tell her to get back to the major's house before anyone realizes she's missing. Hospitalities rolls his eyes. Of course he already told her that. Dexter says that there's more. She needs to convince the slave that saw her that he didn't see her because she's been safe in the major's house the entire time. Hospitality shrugs and says he'll deliver the message if she's still there. But before he's able to exit, Dexter gives his forehead and I forgot something smack. He tells Hospitalities that he needs silence. So Hospitalities provides the audience a running commentary of Dexter's actions as he tries to remember what it is that he forgot, which culminates with um, Dexter falling asleep. Hospitalities wakes him up and Dexter says he has a plan. He'll put out the word that Convivia has an identical twin. That sister and her lover have just arrived from Athens, so the slave didn't see Convivia. He saw her twin sister. That's what Hospitalities should tell Convivia. She'll know what to do from there. Hospitalities exits. Before Dexter can exit into the major's house, Hapless enters from there. He is mumbling to himself about how he is sure that he saw the major's girlfriend canoodling with the young man next door. He's so relieved to see Dexter because Dexter is smart. He'll know what to do. Hapless doesn't know what to do about the major's girlfriend having escaped. He doesn't know how she did it, but the major is going to have his hide because he was supposed to guard her door. Dexter tells him to be cautious of such slander. Convivia's not that kind of girl. Hapless tells Dexter to go and see for himself. For his own part, Hapless is going to stay outside and catch her when she sneaks out of Hospitality's front door. Dexter exits and shortly re-enters, telling him that Convivia is in her room where she's supposed to be. He then stalls Hapless until Convivia peeks out of the Major's house and gives Dexter a thumbs up. Hapless then guards Hospitality's door while Dexter goes and escorts Convivia from the Major's house. She acts very offended at the suggestion that he saw her with another man in the courtyard next door. And then she goes on to tell Hapless about the dr- this dream that she had, that her twin sister had come from Athens with her boyfriend, and her dream must have come true, and that her sister and her boyfriend must be staying in the house next door. But there was more that happened in this dream. In her dream, someone saw her kissing her boyfriend, saw her sister kissing her boyfriend, and Convivia was accused of infidelity because... 
they thought she was her sister and her sister was herself. Dexter tells her that this is the sort of dream the Major should hear about. Convivia agrees and exits into the Major's house. Hapless tries to sort out what just happened, and Dexter helps. Convivia then enters from Hospitalities' house, pretending to be her twin sister. Hapless calls to her, but of course she doesn't respond. He accuses her of being Convivia, but she insists that she lives in Hospitalities' house. After much arguing, she runs back into Hospitalities' house. Dexter announces that he's going after her, even if that means breaking down the door, and sends Hapless to fetch a sword from the Major's house. Hapless exits and re-enters shortly. He sheepishly tells Dexter that Convivia is in her room. Dexter smacks his forehead and says that the whole story must be true, and Hapless must have seen the twin sister in the atrium. Hapless agrees and adds that it's a good thing he didn't have a chance to tell the Major what he saw. Dexter says that he wants to steer clear of the Major and Hapless, too, and he exits into Hospitalities' house. Hospitalities enters. He acts very angry about how the poor young woman who has been his guest, been a guest in his house has been treated. After all, she's a good, free-born lady. As intended, Hapless overhears and worries about having been seen by Hospitalities, which, of course, he has been. Hospitalities adds on to the tale created by Dexter, including much stage business of going in and out of the houses with Convivia, presumably going back and forth through the hole in the wall. Fully convinced, Hapless exits back into the Major's house before Hospitalities exits into his own house. Dexter enters, talking over his shoulder to Hospitalities and Nauticles. He's working on the next part of his plan. When the coast is clear, the other two men enter. After a lengthy discussion of Roman manners, Dexter shares the next part of his plan. Hospitalities needs to pretend to be married, which then leads to another lengthy discussion of the stock character of the matron or nagging wife and the joys of bachelorhood. And I do mean lengthy. It goes on for several pages before Hospitalities agrees to Dexter's plan. Hospitalities will hire a working girl to pretend that she's his wife. Dexter will take a ring from Hospitalities to give to the Major, along with the story that the wife of the man next door is head over heels in love with him. Hospitalities exits to find some to find the woman for the job. Um, Dexter tells Nauticles to remember to call Convivia Virginia to further emphasize that she is, in fact, two different women, and Nauticles exits into Hospitalities' house. Dexter calls into the Major's house for Hapless, but Lurch enters. Hapless is currently indisposed. He's sleeping off a bottle of wine. Dexter accuses Lurch of stealing from the major stores, and the clever slave easily twists the words of the not-so-clever one until the latter's convinced that he's in trouble. Dexter exits to find the major. Lurch tells the audience that he's going to run away before the major gets back, but Dexter quickly re-enters. Lurch says he has a mission and exits. Dexter takes a moment to let the audience know that everything is going according to plan. Hospitalities enters with Climax and Millie, reminding them of the plan. Climax insists that she already knows her lines and she's ready to go. Dexter exits again to fetch the Major, and Hospitalities and the two women exit into his house. Dexter and the Major enter. Dexter tells him about this ring he was given and that it comes from a married woman, a young one, married to an old man. The Major, of course, has no trouble believing that this young woman is in love with him. And he's not one to leave her disappointed, either. 
Millie enters from Hospitalities' house. She notes the major and gives a dramatic monologue about how desperately in love with her love her mistress is with the man who lives next door. The scene proceeds with sotto voce conversation and flirtation between Millie and Dexter. Um, overly dramatic comments for the benefit of the major and sotto voce discussions between Dexter and the major. After several pages, but it really is funny, I swear, um, <laughs> Millie exits into Hospitalities' house. The Major asks Dexter what he should do about Convivia. Dexter tells him that her twin sister is in town, and he's seen her with his own eyes. The Major should let Convivia go back to Athens with her sister and her mother, but, you know, she loves him so much, um, she might not want to leave. And the major agrees with this because, of course, she loves him that much. But it's the best plan, and he'll force her to leave if he if he must. Dexter suggests that um, some gold and, and jewels might help soften the blow, and the major agrees to give her a lot of both before she leaves. And he exits into the house. Climax, Millie, and Nautically enter. Dexter tells them that everything is going according to plan, and they discuss their next steps. Nauticles exits to get a ship, and Climax and Millie exit back into Hospitalities' house. The Major enters from his house. He's convinced Convivia that it's best for her to go with her sister. The two men hear Millie and Climax talking and hide behind one of the shrines. Um, the two women enter from Hospitalities' house and speak loudly about how Climax is in love with the Major. After much stage business and several pages of dialogue, the Major agrees to a tryst with Climax and the two women exit back into Hospitalities' house. Nauticles enters in disguise, um, which leads to some jokes based on the sight gag of his disguise. Uh, he tells Dexter and the Major that he's come to fetch Convivia. Her mother and sister are already on board and they're ready to, ready to ship out. They're ready to sail. Dexter goes to get her. She puts on an excellent show about how she doesn't want to leave because she loves the Major so much, uh, but she's eventually convinced that she must go. Convivia and Nauticles exit along with two slaves carrying the bags of gold and jewels. After a few more words with the Major, Dexter follows them off. A slave enters from Hospitalities' house and tells the Major that the lady of the house is waiting for him. The Major exits into Hospitalities' house. A short while later, a commotion is heard from within. Hospitalities enters from his house, shouting that the Major should be dragged out. The plan has come to fruition. The Major is publicly shamed for attempting to sleep with a married woman. Convivia is off back to Athens, and Dexter gets to go back to his good master. The Major sees that he has been duped, announces that he has learned his lesson, and marches the slave back home, pausing briefly to tell the audience that the play is over and they can clap now. <laughs> this is a long play. If you thought the summary was long, that's because it's... It's a long play. Um, it's nearly 100 pages in Berg's translation. Uh, now, I mean, it's a very well-structured script. Um, so there are stage directions and it's it's very readable. So that does add some pages. But uh, but this is still um, probably the longest of Plautus's plays. Um, th there are two things that I think I need to reiterate um, before really diving into an analysis of this play. Um, one, again, the manners and architecture of all of these plays are Roman. Plays set in Greece, the source material is Greek, 
Um, no Roman would ever get caught in the situation the major finds himself in, but but things like that atrium where the young lovers are spied at the beginning of the play, that architecture, that's that's Roman. That's total Roman architecture. Uh, the Greeks had something similar, but it didn't. It it the houses weren't quite the same as they were in, in ancient Rome. Um, and and so yeah, even though this play is set in Ephesus, it's it's totally it's totally Roman. Um, and two, and I have said this a lot, race is a modern construct. Um, yes, there are slaves in ancient Rome. And no, it has nothing to do with a person's skin color. And yes, I know I keep stressing this point, but it is important. Remember this. Race is a modern construct. Race-based slavery is a modern thing. It is... So if you're directing, if you're casting, you don't have to be, you can, you can be colorblind or color conscious. Um, any, any skin tone works because, um, it doesn't have to be black slaves and white masters because that's not what ancient, ancient Greece, that's not what ancient Rome looked like. All the colors of the rainbow were there. Um, but back to the fun. <laughs> Today's stock character is the braggart warrior. Um, and the character type is even called the Miles Gloriosus because of this play. Um, but it is a character that occurs in later plays and that inspired much later characters. Perhaps you are familiar with Falstaff from Shakespeare's Henry IV plays and from The Merry Wives of Windsor. Yeah, he's he's another braggart warrior, um, and uh, and we so we see that same sort of just puff, puffing yourself up. Um, it could be very amusing. Falstaff isn't isn't quite as um, annoying as as the Miles Gloriosus in, in this play, but um, but yeah, um, and of course there is Miles Gloriosus himself from a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. I have dropped a little clip of um, a production um, of that character um, on the on the blog in case you uh, can't remember exactly which one he is, and it gives a good good idea of, of just what this what the stock character is like. Um, this is a horribly complicated play. I was hoping I could skip some parts so that the summary wouldn't be too long. Um, and obviously I glossed over lengthy conversations, but, um, but as far as the plot is concerned, I could not figure out something that I could take out without the house of cards falling down. Um, so why is it so complicated? Is it because there are multiple sources from which Plautus created his plot? Um, is it all necessary to the story? Um, I, 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 like I said, I can figure out what to, cu what to cut. Um, it would be like individual lines that you'd cut, I, th I think, as opposed to whole scenes. Um, it, some, some of this confusion or some of what, when we're looking at what's happening with the plot, um, it depends on who those badge baggage carriers are at the end. Um, they are unnamed slaves. So it's up to the director to decide if they're just extras or if they are any named characters that we have seen before. Um, Berg opts to include Hapless as one of the slaves, which means he can see that Convivia and Virginia are one and the same. 
Um, but she also clearly states in her introduction that this is a choice um, that she made when she wrote her translation. There is nothing to indicate that this is necessarily the case. Uh, so what do you think of today's stock character? Uh, does this play remind you of anything else? Um, and if you were directing, what would you do with it? Um, I'm not going to talk much more about about it here because this episode is already long, but I would love to hear your thoughts over at the blog. The link, as always, is in the show notes. On Wednesday, we will start reading The Odyssey. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.